All right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And happy friends and family day. It's great to see so many people. I know it's a rainy day out there today, but I'm glad to see that the rain didn't stop you from coming here today. We're starting a new series called Speaking of Health. Speaking of Health. Okay. And I am super duper excited about this series, not just because I think it's going to be a powerful series and it really has the power to help us see our lives and our futures in a new light. But the reason that I'm really excited is because this series specifically, I will be sharing and speaking from a place of personal experience, and I want to share about that. So what I'm preaching to you here in this series is not something that I read somewhere in a book only, but something that I experienced in my own life, and I saw the difference that it made. So I'm so excited to share this message with you guys over the coming four weeks. The series is titled Speaking of Health, and as Joe said earlier, we're going to be talking about all kinds of different health. Now you're sitting there and thinking to yourself, okay, wait a minute, is he gonna sit here and talk about physical health? Are you gonna talk about how we shouldn't eat this and we should exercise this? And you're gonna just another make us feel guilty about the things that we do that take pleasure in life? Or is he gonna speak to us about emotional health? And he's gonna get all, you know, feeling and kumbaya on us and all that kind of stuff. Someone, you know, you may have heard when I when I mentioned this before that we're gonna address the topic of mental health, and you say, wait a minute, what in the world does that have to do with me? We're at church, so probably spiritual health is somewhere in there, but we kind of know those things. Our problem isn't that we don't know, problems we can't do. What kind of health is it that we're going to talk about here? What I'm going to tell you is we're actually not going to talk about any of those. I'm not here to talk to you about spiritual health or physical health or emotional health or mental health. I'm here to talk to you about your health. Not any part of you, but you as a person. And I want to start off from the very beginning here and give you the key thought. Every time we start do a series, there's like a key thought for the series. And I want to give it to you right up front because this is what we want to focus on over the coming four weeks. Each one of us, let's say this all together, okay? I like class participation on Friends and Family Day. Let's say it together. I am one person. No one's saying it with me. All together. Ready? One, two, three. I am one person made up of many parts, all of which are connected and all of which belong to God. That's our key thought for this series, is that I'm not here to talk to you about your physical health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, your mental health, your relational health. I'm talking about your health. I'm not trying to divide you and me into different parts. I am a person, and so are you. And if there's any part of me that is unhealthy, then all of me is unhealthy. Logic. Nobody walks around and says, yeah, my lungs have cancer, but I'm doing great. No one walks around and says, yeah, I broke my back and my neck, uh, is, uh, I, I tore a disc or a spine or whatever, but you know what? Thank God that my cold is gone. If there's any part of me that's broken, any part of me that's sick, then all of me is broken and all of me is sick. What we're going to talk about here in this series is based on something, like I said, that I experienced personally. Let's go back a few years. The year was roughly 2010. Some, somewhere, the 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. And I was not in the best health. I was working, okay, a lot of hours, okay, as, as oftentimes this, this job often entails a lot of hours. Priests don't just work Sunday, contrary to popular belief, okay. I was working a lot of hours, a lot of stress. Physically, I was not in good shape, all right. I was probably about 15 pounds heavier than I am right now, which is probably... Okay, when I always go back to like my wedding weight, that's what I feel like I, I was in prime shape, okay, the day I got married. So I was probably about 20, 25 pounds heavier than the day that I got married. I was not sleeping well. 
I was exercising because I like to exercise. I like competition, things like that. But whatever I was doing in exercising was far outweighed by my eating habits. I used to eat like nobody's business. Like I maintained like the college lifestyle of eating all the way through probably like my mid thirties, which was basically you open the fridge, the seafood diet, you know that one, right? The seafood, you eat the food, right? Okay. I was at the point where I'm not joking. Like I used to eat dessert after every meal. I'd have ice cream after breakfast. Like I ate just about anything that I wanted to eat. Spiritually, I was doing okay. Like I was still doing everything on the outside that I needed to be doing. Like I was serving, I was priest in the church, church is growing, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, prayer meetings, meetings, whatever it may be. I'm doing all the right stuff on the outside, but something's not right on the inside. Something is just off. Wasn't sleeping as good, carrying a lot more stress. My mind, okay, I've always been someone who enjoys reading, okay, and I feel that reading is, is, is something that, 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 that's important for my growth. But at this point in time, I found myself, I was only reading to like prepare for a sermon, which is the death sentence of any priest, right? When you only pray for the sermon that you're gonna preach or you only pray in public or you only read for the sermon that you're gonna preach. Like even I remember on vacation that year, vacation's always a time where I take like a ton of books and I catch up. But this year of vacation, it was mainly vegging out in front of the TV and just doing nothing of value. So I did what any spiritual person would do. I said the problem is a spiritual problem. Spiritual problem. Discipline is what I need. I need to wake up earlier. I don't need more sleep. I need less sleep. I need to be more disciplined. I need more willpower. I need to pray more. I need to fast more. I need to just force myself to do a better job of being the person that I know that I need to be. And then I found this verse. And when I show you this verse, at first you may say, I don't really understand it. But this is one of those verses that when, you, when, you, when you, we understand it, it's very powerful. But give it a minute to sink in. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, the dishonor ones, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Useful for the master is a phrase that kind of struck me. Because I feel, kind of like I shared, who, those are here in the liturgy this morning, I shared about this, is that I feel that God has like a mission for me. And God wants to accomplish stuff through me. I don't think I'm here just to exist. I don't think anyone's here just to exist. I think if you're here with no mission, that means our God is like a random God and just kind of does stuff because he's bored. I don't believe in that. I believe that God wants to do great stuff through me and God has a mission for me. But what I found at this point in time in my life, I was not as useful for the master. My usefulness if I'm a tool in, in, in the hands of the great carpenter or the great master tool craftsman, builder, whatever, the tool was not as effective. The tool mentally, okay, God prepared me to be able to preach and he wants me to preach with power and preach with passion and preach with energy. But it wasn't as sharp. The tool wasn't as sharp as it needed to be. God wanted me to do stuff Okay, not just, you know, eight hours a day, maybe nine hours, maybe, but my body didn't have the energy that I needed to keep up with what I felt God wanted me to do. And I felt that my usefulness to the master was deteriorating. And that's when it hit me. That's when it hit me that everything God wants to accomplish through me. God wants to accomplish a lot through me and a lot through you. I hope you believe that. That's the most important thing you have to know, that God wants to do great stuff through you. Anything God wants to do through me is going to be in this body. This is 
if you are on a long trip and you get a rental car at the beginning of the trip, this is the only one that you get. So you better take care of it. Because if the rental car, if the tires, you may have a great engine, you may have that sucker full of gas, but if a tire blows, you're not gonna make it to your destination. And I began to view my body, all of my body, my mind, my body, all of me, I began to view it as a tool to serve the purpose of God. Before this, I, like many other people, view it as like, yeah, you know, I don't need to worry about like my body, I don't need to worry about my mind, I don't need to worry about that. that like that stuff is the non-spiritual stuff. But then what I came to the conclusion is that my body is an essential part of the ministry that God has called me to. And if I don't keep this thing in shape, how can I serve if I'm always tired? How can I preach if my mind isn't sharp? How can I pray if my mind is always, if I'm always stressed out and have 10,000 things on my mind? All the things that God wants to accomplish through me, I have to do it in this body, I have to do it with this brain. So I need to start take care of this thing, not in a, a, a materialistic or in a narcissistic way, but in a, I wanna be useful for the master kind of way. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your, what's that say? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And what I realized is that neglecting my body was a sin. Neglecting my body was a sin. Because not my body. I didn't make the rental car. I was given the rental car by God, and I needed to take better care of it so then when I returned it and he did the inspection, you know, on the outside, when they do the inspection, there's no insurance on this thing. You pay for whatever damage, okay? I needed to make sure that I was returning it back to him in, in decent shape. So what I discovered in this verse and what I hope you'll discover here today is that God cares for my physical body just as much as my spiritual body. He cares for my mental health just as much as he cares for my spiritual health. One is not more spiritual than the other. I know it sounds that way. Like we should care only about Bible. We should care only about prayer. We should care only about like sin and things like that. And we shouldn't care about these, these earthly, these fleshly, these worldly things. But that's not what the scripture says right there. It says that God cares just as much of my body as he cares about my spirit. And I fear. Let me tell you some of the things that I fear. And let's see if it, if it hits a, if it, you know, rings a bell with you guys. I fear that God is going to tell me. I gave you a mission. And I gave you a mission to serve me for 80, 90 years on this earth. And you ran out of gas after 60. And you only accomplished two-thirds of what I wanted you to do because you didn't take care of your body. And God says to me, I had a message to preach to the ends of the earth through you, but you let your mind go to mush because you didn't feed it. You killed it by the way you treated your brain by the way, you didn't take care of your emotional health. And the message that I wanted to preach with power, you never, it never reached more than 70% because you failed to take care of your body. I'll tell you the next one I'm saying as honestly and as bluntly, but I say it with all love. I say this with all love and be as honest and blunt as possible. Did you know what my heart of hearts wants to say so many times, but I'm scared to say because I'm kind of a coward, is that many of the problems today that we think are spiritual have nothing to do with spiritual. Many of the problems in your life, which you label as, I need to pray more, I need to fast more, I need more discipline, I need more willpower, I need more self-control. Many of the problems that you say are spiritual aren't spiritual at all. Did you know? Let's play a little game of did you know. And these are just random. 
Did you know that visceral fat, fat around this area, especially in males, is connected with increased anger and temper? Did you know that? Did you know that there are certain people's brains, certain brains that they've now been able to study and see, that are less able to control impulses than others, which would make them more prone to addiction, that they have less ability than an average person to resist temptation. And that's why they fall in maybe into, so maybe the addiction isn't just spiritual. Maybe it's not just try harder. Maybe the temper isn't just, you're a bad person. Maybe there's more to the story than you may realize is going on. Can I say the one that I really want to say with all my heart that I tell my wife all the time? Marriage problems. I believe that many of today's marriage problems are not marriage problems at all. I believe they are undiagnosed mental health problems. And I say that and you say, hey, wait, I look, look, what I'm easy. What I'm saying is if you have obsessive compulsive tendencies, if you have paranoia, you have anxiety, if you have depression, like if you have these things, which is no shame in it, okay? That just means a part of your brain isn't functioning. Look, if I'm born and a part of my elbow, my elbow doesn't bend. There's no shame in that. I'm born with an elbow that doesn't bend the right way. If I'm born with flat feet, there's no shame in that. So if I'm born with a part of my brain that tends to obsess or be more obsessive compulsive, there's no shame in that. But the point is, it's not a spiritual problem. And you can fast and pray all day and all night. And you can read all the spiritual books that you want. But not all problems are just spiritual. Not all problems are just fast and pray. And many of the problems that we face today, I believe, are undiagnosed. Mental, physical, emotional problems, which we just put under spiritual. And we leave it that way. Not all problems are just spiritual. You know why? Because I am one person. I am one person made of many parts. Every one of those parts is connected, and every one of those parts belongs to God, and he cares about it. So if I got a problem spiritual, he cares. If I got a problem physical, he cares. If I got a problem mental, he cares. If I got a problem emotional, relational, he cares. Because all those things belong to him, and they're all connected. If you suffer in one of them, it's going to affect the health of the overall so I'm not here to talk to you about specific kinds of health. I'm here to talk to you about your health and what it takes for you to get healthy. When I made this realization several years back, I took specific steps. I started on a yearly basis to set goals for myself. First of all, physical. I set physical goals. That's why I started, I, I said I wanted to run a, a 5K. Then I want to run a 10K. A couple years ago, I ran a half marathon. Not because I want to be in anything, but... This is the way I have to force myself because I'm kind of a competitive person, so I have to set a goal and then try to compete. So like get in shape doesn't do much for me, but, but challenge myself to run a half marathon dropped me down to actually three pounds below my wedding weight, okay, is what that dropped me, but that was a while ago, okay? I started to set mental goals for myself as well in terms of a certain number of books that I will read every single year, okay? And already this year, I set my highest goal. I said I'm gonna read 20 books by the end of the year, and I'm already surpassed that goal. I'm running halfway through the year. Not because of the books, not because of the information, but because I need to keep this thing as sharp as possible. I put myself on a meal plan. Okay, those who see me eat know, okay, those, especially those in the office, see, I eat the exact same thing every single day. The exact same thing for breakfast, exact same thing for morning snack at 10.30, exact same thing for lunch at 12.30, exact same thing for my afternoon snack at 2.30 and 3.30, and then dinner, whatever Marianne puts in the plate. And the reason why I did that 
is not because, look, all this is not about, look, look, I wear a black robe. It doesn't matter what I'm actually physical shape, okay? It looks the same and no matter what. But this is not about how I look. This is about how I feel and more importantly, about what God wants to do through me. And this is the only body that I get to do it. So if I don't take care of this body, I'm not gonna be able to do what God wants me to do. Like I said, mentally, I started to set the goals for the reading because what I realized is that one activity, TV, kills my brain. And one activity, reading, enriches my brain and makes it stronger. I believe in the copycat principle. Okay, I believe that you find someone who has reached a place that you wanna get to and do what they do. This is why I like to go eat at Panera when I like to eat out, because I look in Panera, I see everyone is thin and in shape, so I wanna eat at the same place. I don't know what they're eating, but I like to eat where they eat, okay? So I go to the places, so I know that anybody who's achieved any form of success in just about any field, ask them if they read more books or watch more TV. And 98% of them will tell you that, that the people who are leading the world and leading the change and making a difference don't sit on the couch and binge watch on the Netflix. What they do is they open a book and I wanna be like them. The result of all this change, being very honest, the result of all this change, people come to me and today and they tell me, and I believe it's true because I'm, People tell me that I look great. And when people tell me, you know what, I saw a picture of you 10 years ago, you I, I agree. I look today better than I looked 10 years ago, but it's not because of the physical only, it's because of the overall health. I believe today, people say you must work so hard. You, you know what, I'll be 100% honest. I work less hours today than I ever did before in my priesthood. But I believe I work much more efficiently and much more effectively and much more smartly. Before I was round the clock and I was and I was and I was and I was and I was, now I work much less, but I believe I work much more effectively because I began to care about all of me, not just my spirit. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I ask you, what is the weight that may be weighing you down? Could be physical weight, could be a mental weight, could be emotional weight. What is the weight that is slowing you down from running with endurance? Not a sprint, but endurance. The race that God wants to run through you for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, I don't know how you, 50, 60, till your age 80, till age 90. Like there's no slow down. There's no retirement in God's plan. Like we retire from work so that we can be more committed to the work of God. We don't retire from God. What is it that is weighing me down or has the potential to weigh me down from running this race? My prayer for this series is that we can all be honest. We can all take a look in the mirror. We can all look up at God and say, God, where am I not investing in my health so I'm falling short of what you want me to do? Now, let's take a step back. And I say me, and I said, I am one person, many parts. Let's discuss what those many parts are. There are three parts to you, and obviously different people can have a different interpretation of this, but I'm gonna keep it simple because I'm not that smart guy, so I'm gonna keep it very simple. There are essentially three parts to you. You have a body, you have a soul, the soul can also be called mind, and I'll explain that in a second, and you have a spirit. You have a body, that's the easy part, that's the physical part. You have a soul, the soul would be the emotional part, the mental part, the intellectual part. Okay, they say that your soul, all right, is, is, is your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Another word for all that is your mind. I'm going to use those two terms interchangeably, your soul and then your mind. And then you have a spirit. 
which is that piece of the image of God inside you where God himself resides. Okay, God resides inside your spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us in our spirit. If you were body with no soul, you would be a vegetable. If you were body with no soul, with no mind, you'd be a vegetable, okay? If you were soul with no body, you would be Siri. You'd be a robot. You'd be a computer program. You'd be nothing. If you were a body and a soul without a spirit, you would be, I'm gonna get in trouble for this one, an animal. And I know I'm a little scruffy, like he's got the, your dog, your cat, yes, he's the greatest, and he's whatever, okay? What makes us as human beings different than the rest of God's creation is we were created in the image of God. And that image of God is that spirit inside of us. So this is not like an animal hatred kind of a thing, like I love Scruffy and you love Spot and whatever it may be. But what makes us as human beings image of God is that spirit inside of us. It takes all three of these components to be what's called a person. You have to have a body, you have to have a soul, and you have to have a spirit. And like I said a minute ago, we were made in the image of God. God is three in one, is he not? God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the three are one, inseparable, but distinct. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, yet the three are one, and that's how we are as well. And like in the Godhead, the Trinity is meant to function, even though distinct, as one, they function as one person, we are meant to function as one person too. So for example, if my body doesn't obey my mind, if my mind says, move my left arm up, and my left arm doesn't move up, if my mind says, move my right arm out, and my arm won't move, and I have a sickness in the body, something is off, okay, this is not healthy if my body is not listening to my mind. In a spiritual sense, my mind, we hope, is subject to my spirit. That's the difference, like you have free choice. You can, in your mind, you can say in your mind, you can say, I obey God and I choose to live a godly life and I choose to subject my mind to my spirit, which is the spirit of God. I choose to do that. And when I do that, that's great. When I don't do that, that's called sin. And another word for sin is sickness, but sickness of the spirit. If the three are not working together as one package, there's something wrong in, in, in the person. That's why Jesus himself said, didn't he say, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's saying they have to be working together in one cohesion. Let's get a couple of biblical references to what I'm talking about here. First, Thessalonians 5, 23, and I'll go through these quick because there's a couple of them. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, your soul, and your body it gives us the three right there. Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. The word of God is living and sharper, me, living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. It doesn't mention body, but that obviously that's a given. And of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In both of these verses, we see this hierarchy right here. That there's a body which is subject to a mind which should be subject in a perfect setting to the spirit. The spirit, spiritual health, 
We hear about this all the time. That's 99% of the time when we go to church, this is what we talk about, how to stay spiritually healthy. Physical health, you don't need me to tell you about that. You can just open up the internet, open up anywhere you go and talk about physical health. The kind of health that I want to focus on over the coming weeks is that middle layer, is the health of our soul slash mind. When was the last time that you went to church and heard a sermon on the health of your mind, on the health of your soul? We're going to focus on that in this coming series, and specifically, okay, I told you earlier that the soul is will, intellect, and emotions. Okay, I'm generalizing, obviously, but specifically, intellect and emotions. We're going to focus on those two, because you know what I believe? I believe that those two, when the intellect and the emotions are not functioning properly, this is the cause of all of the problems that we have in life and what sabotages our happiness and our satisfaction in life more than anything else is when our intellect and our emotions have a problem inside them and are not functioning according to God's spirit. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about emotional health. And you say, wait a minute, we don't have, we don't need. And the problem we have today is you hear mental health. Anytime you hear mental health, we automatically, our minds go to the people who commit the, the school shootings and the people who are the terrorists and the people who automatically go to the extremes of the people who are struggling with their mental health. But what I will say, looking at our diagram here, is when it comes to your physical health, is it just either you're physically healthy or unhealthy? Or are there shades on the spectrum in between? Spiritually, is it that some people are spiritually good and other people are spiritually bad? Or is it that there's degrees along the spectrum? Well, I say the same thing is true mentally. I say you may not be the school shooter guy, but that doesn't mean that you're in perfect shape mentally. And I would say as your body, as your spirit, as your mind, all of us need to improve our health in all three of these areas because the principle is the same in all three. If any of these three you don't invest in, if any of the three you don't invest in, it goes down. It rots. You don't invest in your physical, it deteriorates. You don't invest in your spiritual, down the toilet. And you don't invest in your mental. And I promise you, you will see the effects of it. And you may never realize what the root of it is, but I promise you it will be there. The beautiful thing for us living in the year 2018 is science has given to us a wealth of information these days on the effects of everything in life on our minds. The effects of just simply aging, what it does to our mind. The effects of the food that we eat on our mind. The effect of our relationships. The effect of prayer and meditation and reading on how it does to our mind. So we have a wealth of information and I'm not sitting here and pretend to be an expert on any of this, but I know just enough to be dangerous. And what I want to do just today, the few minutes that we have remaining, is I want to share just one small thing in the area of your mind and your soul. And we'll expand more over the coming weeks. We'll go into more detail. We'll have a lot of fun with this. But I always say one piece of information that you may not have realized before, but if you realize this, it's a game changer. And that is this. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind is not your brain. It's supposed to control it. Your mind is not your brain. See, wait a minute. Think of it this way. Think of your brain as a computer software. 
or a computer program that can do all kinds of cool stuff, compute stuff, you know, factorial stuff, you know, square root stuff, whatever kinds of stuff. You can do all these incredible things. But a computer program needs someone to push go or needs someone to give it data. It needs someone to put it into motion. Your brain is a tool and it's a tool given to you by God, but your mind, your soul needs to control it and guide it and your mind can make it better or worse. Your mind can give it good data or bad data. Your mind can feed it medicine or feed it poison that kills it. If I take my brain out of my head and I put it there on the table, you say, wow, what an incredible brain. What can that brain do? Nothing, because the brain is just a tool. It's of no value outside of the hands of the mind. This has huge implications for us. You say, well, who cares, what does this mean? Let me tell you what this means. And forgive me, I'm gonna go through some scientific nerdy stuff right here, but I, I personally find this stuff fascinating, so I hope you do too. If not, I'll just go through it quickly. We live in a time where they discover stuff about the brain every single day. And every single day, we're learning stuff that we never knew before. We are learning today, what we know today, is that your brain is the most complex slash important organ ever created. Nothing functions like your brain. Did you know that your brain occupies only 2% of your current body weight. Some of us, bigger, maybe less, okay? But 2% of your body weight is your brain. But did you know that the number of calories that you consume that goes to your brain is between 25 to 30%. So your, your brain weighs 2% of your body, but all the food that you intake, almost a third of it goes to your brain to keep it functioning and keep it healthy and keep it doing what it's supposed to be doing. Did you know that in the average human brain, there are more than 100 billion nerve cells? 100 billion nerve cells. And all these cells are connected. But here's the fascinating thing. They're not connected like this. Not a cell to a cell to a cell to a cell. They're connected in multiplicity, meaning that it could be one cell that's connected to up to 10,000 other cells. Think of it like a tree. Okay, one cell is like a tree that can be connected which means that in your brain right now, you have more connections in your brain than there are stars in the sky. How incredible is that? Information in your brain moves at the speed of more than 268 miles per hour, unless you're drunk. Then it goes considerably lower, which should be no shock to anybody. Did you know that your brain governs so much more of your life than you realize? Not just your intellect, but it governs how you think, how you feel, how you relate to others. It governs your relationships. It governs your ability to make good judgment, your character, your personality, your ability to say no to temptation. All of this can be traced back to certain functions in the brain. And like I said a minute ago, the brain is working properly, we work properly. If the brain is not working properly, we have a sickness that we need to address. The beautiful thing, up until the late 19, or mid 19, early to mid 1990s, people, this is how we grew up. We were told that your brain develops from childhood and then it stops at a certain age. You remember the age they told us it stopped developing? Okay, we were told 25. 
but we were told sometimes in males it goes till 28. Okay, not because we're very smart, but because we're delayed. Okay, but that, that's, that's what we were told. Is that, but then after that, the brain stops developing. So if you had a traumatic brain injury, or if there was alcoholism, or if there was other things that, that hurt your brain, you just basically, like you just had to suck it up and just deal with it as best you could. But you couldn't actually do anything about it. But today, y'all know this, is that now we realize that the brain is constantly growing and constantly changing. That's the word neuroplasticity. You've heard this word before, right? Neuro, meaning brain, plastic, meaning changeable, moldable. And we know that up until the day that we die, we can affect our brain, that we can grow. We know for sure that the brain is losing. They say like 85,000 cells a day, the brain is losing. But we also know now that we can grow new cells in our brain. We can make new connections in our brain. But only when the brain is under the control of the mind and treated in such a way. One of the guys, one of my man crushes in life, okay, is a guy named Dr. Daniel Amen. Anyone ever heard of him? He's actually based not too far away, okay? He, actually, some people, someone from our church actually works in his office, which is, I think it's in Maryland or somewhere. Reston, which is close to Maryland, probably, okay? <laughs> this guy's a stud, okay? And this guy is kind of one of the leading guys who's leading the technology and the science behind brains and brain imaging and he came up with some kind of technology to be able to take a picture of people's brains and through the picture which he calls brain specs they can see which parts of the brain are functioning at a good level which parts are underperforming and which parts are overperforming okay so someone who has hyperactivity in certain areas of the brain and they can identify these area of the brains when they're hyper lead to this and when these brain these areas are lower activity will lead to this okay judgment all those uh, impulse control, things like that. And he's been able to take pictures of people's brains and help explain to people what is going on inside their heads. Here, for example, is a picture of a healthy brain. You can write under there, Father Anthony's brain, okay? No, I'm just joking. And what you see right here is what a healthy brain in this image looks like. It's, it's, it's fully formed, okay? It's symmetrical on both sides, right brain, left brain, and there's no gaps and no holes. Don't worry about the color of it because you're going to see some different pictures right now which will show different colors. The color doesn't mean anything, but look more at the texture of the brain. Here's someone with Alzheimer's disease. And you see that a person with Alzheimer's, we understand this, has deficiencies in their brain which is going to impact how they behave in life. And we don't judge them for it because we realize they have a problem in their brain. Like I said, some people are born with a problem in their knee problem in their elbow this guy may be born or through whatever set of circumstances has this problem in his brain and he can't function at the optimal level here's someone from a traumatic brain injury which is a motorcycle accident take note of it those wear your helmets if you do or be smart and get a car but that's up to you okay and you see that a healthy brain now has holes in it, it has gaps in it from the brain injury here's a brain that used marijuana for several years. And you see the impact of marijuana on that person's brain. You wanna see what's worse than marijuana? Now this is not a person who had one drink, okay? This is a person who drank, I think what it is someone who drank just on weekends, but over the course of many, many years. What I'll say is this. I'll say for all those who will argue the value of alcohol for your heart, 
alcohol, no one will tell you that alcohol is good for your brain. That's up to you. And so on. This is fascinating stuff. We're going to go, we can go all day on this, but we're going to stop right here. What I want to show you here is that what this technology is teaching us is there are many things in life that are clear that hurt our brains. Smoking hurts your brain. When it cons when the, the constriction of the, the, the blood, it hurts your brain. Stress hurts your brain. Sleeping, eating, relationships, these things affect our brain. And what we're realizing is, is that these things can cause damage. Now, here's the beautiful part of it. As I said a minute ago, is that we're realizing that the same way that we know we can kill our brain, we can regrow our brain. And we can help our brains. And the same way that eating certain foods can kill brain cells, that eating other foods can grow brain cells. And there are certain habits in life that if I continue them, I'm going down the toilet with my brain health. But there's other habits that if I start them, I can rebuild areas that have fallen. And we're going to start talk specifically about this next week, about a lot of things that you may not realize. A lot of things, like the thoughts you choose to believe has an impact on your brain. And I'm going to show you next week some stuff about people who struggle with anxiety and depression. And you're going to be shocked. You're going to say, that's the alcoholic brain, right? Or that's the marijuana brain, right? And I'm going to say, no, that's a person who every single day chooses to believe negative thoughts about themselves and chooses to believe negative things. And I'm going to say, the effect that has on your brain, you'll see that stuff next week. But the good news is, is that we can exercise control over our mental health. We can exercise control. So let me throw this out to you as we start this series. What if I could do something about my anxiety? What if I wasn't doomed to be anxious for the rest of my life? What if I could do something about the fear, the constant state of fear that I live in, the depression? What if I could do something about those things and I'm not a slave to those feelings anymore? What if I can train my brain to think positive, not negative? What if I can train my brain to think positive, not negative, to see good, not see bad? What if I can train my brain to be stronger against the temptations that I think I'm addicted and I think I can't stop it and I think there's no hope? What if there's things that I can do mental health-wise that allow me to stand stronger against the temptations? Dr. Daniel Amen believes there is. He says, you are not stuck with the brain you have. You can make it better. You're not stuck with the temper that you have. You can exercise control. You're not stuck with the obsession over money that you have. And I don't know what I can do about it. I'm just always thinking about money, money, money. You're not stuck with that. There are things that you can do about that. You are not stuck to a, a, you're a doomed to a life where I can't focus when I pray. I can't focus when I go to church. I have no willpower to fast. I have no discipline to not yell at my kids. I'm never a patient person. No, there are things that we can do about it. And that is the goal of what we're gonna discuss here in this series. What we're gonna talk about is how we need to stop fighting harder, more discipline, more fasting, more prayer. Maybe we need to fight smarter. Maybe we need to work on the things that can help us have success as opposed to just try harder. And scripture is clear about the role of our mind when it comes to our life. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, the obedience of Christ. What this verse is saying is your brain is part of your body. Your brain is part of your body. And we need between the spirit and the mind to control the thoughts that go in there. And we need between the spirit and the mind to say 
every thought is captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, you can change the way you think and thereby change your life. Starting next week, hopefully I've got you excited about this series as I am. Starting next week, we're going to talk about ways that we can invest in our entire health. We know the spiritual. We know all too well the physical. We're going to talk about the soul level. We're going to talk about things that we can do to invest in our mental and emotional health. We're going to talk very practical things, and you may be surprised to hear some of the things that you never realized are killing your brain and are putting you at a significant disadvantage to accomplishing what you want to accomplish in life. And it's not that, that you can't ever, but it's that maybe some things need to change, some habits need to change, and then maybe you'll realize the success that you desire so badly and that God desires for you. There's a verse that I didn't put up on the screen that says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what we want to focus on in this series. Because as the King Solomon the Wise said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we can change the way we think, then we can change our lives. My goal of this series is to give you hope. You are made in the image of God. And you are made healthy. And yes, there may be certain deficiencies in your body. We can work on it. There may be deficiencies in your soul. We can work on it. Deficiencies in your spirit, we can work on it. And we need to work on it to get to that point. Because I know that I'm one person made up of many parts, all of which are connected and all of which belong to God. And we say this every time we pray the divine liturgy. When we say, make us all worthy, O our master, to partake of your holies unto the purification of our what? Of our souls, our bodies, and our spirits. This is where we're going with this series. Any part of these three is unhealthy, then I am not healthy. And we need to invest to make sure that we can be useful to the master, healthy tools in the master's hands for his purpose for our lives. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us in your image, and that you haven't left us as like doomed to our biology. Thank you that you've given us all this information and all this science, and through it you teach us how we can get healthy in body, in mind, and in spirit. I pray, Lord, that for any one of us who may be struggling in areas that we don't even realize, that things that are going on inside of us, Lord, that we don't even know that they're affecting us, I pray you'd help us to all be honest, look ourselves in the mirror, Lord, and take this se our health seriously so that we can be useful tools in your mighty right hand. Pray these things in the name of your Son, with the prayers of all of your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.